What is up, everybody? It's Wednesday night, and John Sheeran and myself are here to talk some Cincinnati Bengals with you on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. And we're also going to be talking a little bit of Baltimore Ravens this evening with a special guest, Justin, from the awesome YouTube channel Engraven Vids. Is uh, he's he joined us? It is a previously recorded interview, but we're gonna we're gonna pop it on here, and uh, it's a really it's a really good one. A lot of good stuff coming from him, hearing about the progress of the of the Ravens, where they were last year, and all of that. A lot of good stuff there, and then of course we'll we'll get to some headlines. We have a behind the scenes bangle, so we've got a lot to get to tonight. John, what's going on, my man? How are you? Doing pretty good, man. Doing pretty good. Um, a lot of things going on in the NFL right now. And, you know, OTAs are cranking away. I think they're kind of coming to a close around the league, but been pretty quiet, I think, along the shores of the Ohio River in Cincinnati. So there's something to be grateful in that regard, I guess. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I, I guess it kind of has been that way recently. But, you know, there have been times wherein the Bengals have been, uh, I don't know, they've been in the headlines for the the right reasons, the wrong reasons, all kinds of stuff over the years covering this team, following this team, but uh, it's nice to kind of not not be talking about some some negative stuff, some injury stuff or anything really about that. So, yeah, well, it's good to be here. Good to be chatting with you, John, and thanks uh, to all the live listeners here. If you are new here, you can get the Cincy Jungle podcast channel and our show, which is part of it, on your favorite audio streamer, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the major ones. We are there. Do us a favor as well, and... and uh, leave a leave a review of the show if you could. That helps us out. And of course, if you like the video style, if you, if that's more your thing, you're always welcome to join us live. We we do Wednesday evenings. John and myself. We do either Monday or Tuesday. We kind of do a run through of the headlines, and then uh, a couple times a month on Fridays we do listener questions. We're a little overdue on that, so we probably should be doing that again <laughs> somewhat soon. But uh, so we'll be doing that and, you know, all kinds of different stuff we'll be bringing you. But the video you can get by subscribing to our YouTube channel beneath that Cincy Jungle icon there uh, on John's side of the, the screen if you're watching. And then, of course, by giving a like to the Cincy Jungle Facebook page, you can you can see the video streaming there and our Twitter account. So we're, we're covering the bases. We're in a lot of different areas for this show and hopefully you enjoy what we're doing. So let's kind of get in for a little bit, kind of go over some... I went through some headlines yesterday, but there are a couple of others that have emerged since. One one has been kind of older and in, in the rear view, and maybe a couple days old, I shouldn't say older. And one is actually something that was posted today on Cincy Jungle and has kind of made the rounds a little bit through through networks. Uh, let's, let's start with the a failed waiver claim, uh, John, and that is with John Kaminsky... A, an edge defender who was previously with Atlanta and he was a hot name out there. I guess like what eight teams, seven teams put their, put their waiver claims for him. And of course where the Bengals were in the pecking order, they're at the back of the line. So they missed out and Detroit at the front of the line uh, got him. But this is a guy, I mean, I don't know what you, you know about him. I mean, when you look at the, the numbers, there's nothing really eye popping here. I mean, I guess you've got, uh, you know, good measurables in 6'4", 285, and just kind of it would have been a depth guy, but the Bengals did not get him. And um, there's another question I want to ask you, but uh, your impressions kind of that the Bengals were interested here and missed out. Yeah, so in regards to Kaminsky specifically, he came into the league a few years ago with Atlanta. I think he's played only 500 career snaps with them in, in three seasons, so 2019, 2020, 2021, and I think he was at most like a role player during the 2020 season. He only played 13 snaps with the with the Falcons uh, th- this past season. I don't know if, if he was injured for most of the year or, or maybe he was just not very good to not get on the field, but the Falcons did end up waving or cutting him i believe a couple weeks ago back in late may but i remember him like being propped up in the in the draft process of 2019 he was a fourth round pick that year if you remember i think he was actually one of the picks right before the Bengals took michael jordan at the like the tail end mm-hmm. of the of the fourth round but i think a guy that tested pretty well six five two seventy five looks like your prototypical marvin lewis edge defender and this is the first draft that uh, zach taylor 
was coaching the Bengals at the time. So I think he was a guy that was somewhat popular in draft circles, but hasn't really done much of anything in his NFL career. And when you see a guy get, you know, a lot of claims really early into his career, despite him not really doing much in the NFL, I think, excuse me, a lot of teams kind of go back on that college evaluation. And if he hasn't really shown much of anything beyond what he did in college, in this case, he went to Charleston in West Virginia. I think teams really lean on what they saw out of him as a collegiate player. He's still 26 years old. And maybe they feel like they're the team to get the most out of him, whereas his original team didn't really uh, get much out of him at all. He only lasted three years with the team that drafted him. So I think there's there's that into the equation. The Bengals are just one of the handful of teams or maybe several teams to put a waiver claim into him. But obviously being 31st in that order, they're just not going to get anyone really unless 30 teams, other teams don't <laughs> yeah, right. put a claim him in. So. Yeah, I think I think it's just like a bet on potential for, for him. He's still on the younger side. He was pretty athletic, I think, coming out of college, but not a guy that's done a lot in the NFL. And at this point, you can't really rely on him to be anything more than a surprise role player who can maybe make noise in camp. But the Bengals do have, I think, two open roster spots, and they, they seem pretty deep at defensive line right now. I think they have like 14 players, but they could feasibly add one more. And I think Kaminsky... For being your 15th defensive lineman is not the worst option. It, it is not. Uh, I, I, again, I mean, you see what Field Yates of ESPN says here. Um, uh, as popular of a player as I can ever recall on waivers, there were eight teams. We, we talked about this yesterday on the on the head, Happening Headline show. Lions, Commanders, Colts, Browns, Texans, Cardinals, Vikings, and Bengals. Um, Bengals, like, like I said, you know, they missed out being at the back of the line there. But, I mean, you see, I mean – 41 total tackles, four tackles for loss, five quarterback hits, and one and a half sacks as an edge defender with with Atlanta. So when you look at the numbers, you know, you, you talked about measurables and whatnot. When you look at the numbers, uh, the stats, it just kind of goes, makes you wonder, you know, there, there has to be something there for eight teams to be involved in, in the running there to put a claim into this guy. Uh, I, I want to say this. I mean, does this does this news surprise you at all because you're getting Joseph Osai back from injury. You're getting Wyatt Hubert back from injury. You are getting, you've added a Zachary Carter. That seems to be a movable piece. You've got cam sample, all of them. I mean, you, what'd you say? 15th defensive lineman, right? Um, so 14 officially. Yeah. 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 So, well, he would have been the 15th. Yeah. yeah. So um, that, I, I guess I'm just kind of getting your thoughts on how surprised you were about this in terms of the Bengals being out there. And do you think that this is going to be something now towards preseason final cuts, all, all of that position where they just are going to look to add, despite some of the names that we know are roster and how many are coming back from maybe injuries last year. Yeah. I don't think that adding Kaminsky would have uh, impaired or hurt anyone else's chances of making the team. I, I think this is kind of interesting from the Falcoholic uh, quote after a year where the Falcons shifted him back from defensive tackle to outside linebacker. And he just received 13 defensive snaps. The, the team has cut Kaminsky. So that's interesting to me how he started off as like an edge defender. And then he was kind of working more inside maybe last off season. And at six, five two seventy five, like that's, that's about what Sam Hubbard is. And he also has that versatility to play on the edge, but also, move inside as a defensive tackle in pass rushing situations. You talk about 14 defensive linemen. They have three, maybe three techniques right now. And maybe you have a handful of edges on the roster that can slide inside, but their depth inside specifically at three technique is very minimal. So maybe that's what they see in a guy like Kaminsky, excuse me, to potentially give them a pass rushing boost at that spot. Now, again, he's not like the traditional athlete, to play that spot necessarily, but considering he was available, he was a name in the draft process. I think that's more or less why you saw the Bengals and other teams putting claims for him because he has potential versatility, but not proven versatility, which is why he's nothing more than a guy making bet minimum right now. Yeah. So it's just kind of a little bit of a surprise. And I think, you know, I mean, it's good to see them not just hanging out and uh, not doing anything or not, seeing opportunities to potentially improve their team. So it's nice to see that, but a um, little bit of a, a, an interesting one there. And then here real quickly, as we move on and before we get to our interview with Justin from Engraven Vids to talk about the Baltimore Ravens, 
this is just an interesting uh, set of circumstances here with Hayden Hurst saying he believes that the and this is on Cincy Jungle and uh, you know you can you can find the the quotes and stuff, but um, believes he made the right choice in joining the Bengals or the best choice for him which is kind of low-hanging fruit a little bit because, I mean, he's going to go to a team with, a, a, you know, good offense and a great quarterback, et cetera. But um, he just said in a, in a press conference here, quote, I made the right choice. Um, we all know what nine, who's Joe Burrow, is capable of. He's incredible. Um, and then this is interesting to me, John. I think this staff finally understands what I'm capable of. It's taken five years, unfortunately, but I think God put me in Cincinnati for a reason. I'm just going to do my job, buckle down, learn this playbook, and just work my ass off. That's all I can do. So uh, this this was one of those you know rental deals, and with the name and whatnot, it kind of was like, hey, this this could be a you know a sneaky good decision. And now Hurst, I think that this staff finally understands what I'm capable of. A guy who was on a team in the Ravens that you know, was it, you likes to use their tight ends. Um, and then, you know, he was in Atlanta, maybe didn't get the best situation there just because of the st- status of that team when he was there. But um, I, I mean, I don't know. Are, are you in agreement there? Or do you think that this is going to be a, one of those seasons where you think that Hurst is going to kind of, you know, surprise a lot of people statistically speaking? Yeah. I, nothing from these quotes make me necessarily believe that just because it's this it's this time of year where you see just a lot of fluff talking about oh new right. situations you know the best shape of your life i i will say though with hayden hurst like nothing in his life has come easy like his story to get where he is now is remarkable so he definitely has a unique perspective and a valuable perspective on just going through the journey and just trying to find your place where I guess you belong. And with Hurst, it is unfortunate how you know he was a first round pick with the Ravens, a team that loves to use tight ends. And then they found, unfortunately for him, a more talented one in Mark Andrews. Two rounds later, he gets phased out of that offense. He gets traded. Atlanta uses him pretty well in his first season. And then they draft another more talented tight end in Kyle Pitts. Now Hurst feels like, I mean, and rightfully so, he should feel like the best tight end on this team. And that hasn't been the case for him. And and I guess his entire NFL career, you can go back to South Carolina when he was like 24, 25 year old college student kind of beaten up on, on sec defensive backs there. And that's why I guess he ended up going in the first round. So this to me, I mean, this is what OTAs are for these guys. Like they're not, they're not putting in extensive hard work and practices right now. There's no pads necessarily, but it's just about ironing out the communications and really getting adjusted to the playbook and what, is expected of you at whatever position that you're in. And if, if Hurst has or is starting to develop a comfort level within the offense, within the scheme and everything in that nature, then that's obviously nothing but good news. And I think that's where the value of these practices are right now, specifically for newer guys like Hayden Hurst, who are just coming to their own in a new system. And if he feels that way right now, then I think by the time training camp and the preseason comes around, he'll be hitting the ground running, which is definitely good news. And when we talked about Hayden Hurst a little while ago on the show, we we noted that it's maybe not going to be a guy that, you know, puts up a massive amount of yards, maybe Kelsey-esque in terms of, you know, yardage and all of that. But where we see a lot of the work being done is, you know, extending drives and then effectiveness in the red zone potentially. So while the catches, like we talked about with Eifert in 2015, he wasn't a guy that had a 1,000-yard receiving season, but he was incredible in the red zone and, uh, I mean, obviously different players here, but when you look at that and you kind of see what's going on there, I mean, that could be that could be the fit. And, you know, as we noticed at the end of the, the postseason run there, the Bengals were having some trouble getting into the end zone and having a player like this potentially could could boost that. No, no knocks on CJ Uzama or who, whomever else. But, um, you know, it seems as if he feels he's in a good position. The team knows how to use him. So, you know, that's that's that. Pretty much. And we've talked about compare, comparing a guy like Hurst to Uzama, specifically as athletes, and how there's potentially more um, athleticism potential just within the scheme that the Bengals want to run. And it kind of felt like with Uzama, while he was still productive here in this past year when the offense really took off, it, it, it didn't really seem like they were getting the most out of that position necessarily. And that's not mm-hmm. like a knock at, at Uzama, but... I think there's a difference in terms of the athlete that Hayden Hurst is and Uzama is and credit to Uzama for carving out this career that he has. But I think there's still there's definitely more 
that Hayden Hurst can do. And he's not necessarily a young player. He's on the verge of turning 30 at a position where, you know, the lifespan is not very long. So I think he recognizes this opportunity to play on a one-year deal in an offense that is going to be spread out. And he could be used as a slot receiver, as like a big, like like a big slot, if you will, not just attached mm-hmm. to the formation. And that could do wonders for him unlocking whatever he has left to offer as a receiver. And especially playing on a one-year deal with with everything he's gone through in his career like he doesn't need any more added motivation but i i guess it, it certainly doesn't help playing on a one-year deal looking for that next or maybe that first big deal in his career yeah and it's secretly one of those guys that's uh i guess you know one of those behind the scenes Bengals a little bit in some ways where i'm just excited to see what what you know what he can do this year and i, I know he's excited about the opportunity albeit on a short-term deal maybe he parlays it into a, a longer term one based on what happens here this year. All right. Well, as we teased, we, we have an interview with Justin from Engraven Vids. We're going to pin the YouTube account in the live chats here and all of that for you. It was previously recorded. So you're going to see John and I in a little bit of different outfits uh, <laughs> than what we're wearing right now, but it, it's a really good one. We talked a lot of different things and he is a, a treat to speak with. So without further ado, this is, you're going to get, some information on the Baltimore Ravens. We had a lot of a lot of things to talk about here with Justin, and we uh, we hope you enjoy it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, so as we teased for almost a week now, we are joined by our first guest to help preview the AFC North and the rest of the happenings within the division and to talk about the Baltimore Ravens, one of our absolute favorite content creators, one of our absolute favorites on YouTube, Justin, the architect of Engraven Bids, the YouTube channel that has almost 55,000 subscribers awesome awesome work and that's just a testament to all you do justin how you doing man good to have you back on the show uh, i'm doing really good how y'all doing we're, we're good man. Solid, yeah yeah we're good we're good we're not we're not 55k solid but we're doing we're doing pretty good my man you do excellent work and we'll 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 put up your youtube channel and how to get people to just subscribe in just a little bit mm-hmm. here but uh for those who do not know and who do not if you are a Bengals fan only doesn't even matter he talks a lot of Ravens, but he talks a lot of NFL on his channel and does awesome work, uh, both both kind of shorter episodes, some longer stuff, but does great work, and we, we can't say enough about that, so go subscribe to Justin's channel. Let's let's kind of dive right into it. Uh, right. I, I guess we can start. Let's kind of start from last year and kind of work our way to the present, if you will. Mm. Tough year for the Ravens <laughs> last year. I mean, they were in it to the end, and it's, I think it's a yeah. testament to, Har- to Harbaugh, the staff, and how that, how that team is run, but... Uh-huh. Um, tough year injury wise and whatnot. They mm-hmm. were in it towards towards the end there. But kind of your your takeaways from that season was it just a, a lost season or was it hey you know good effort based on everything that's happened a little bit of both. I mean I don't know your side of the table. What are you what are you thinking about how everything played out last year? Yeah, de- definitely a little bit of both. Um, because like like you mentioned, they were in it to the very end, uh, to the very last game when uh, Ravens played the Steelers um, in Week 18 and. They could have actually gotten into the playoffs if they would have won and they needed a little bit of help uh, to get in. 
but they obviously lost and they, they didn't make it. Um, and I know a lot of Ravens fans were kind of divided about that. Like, hey, if we get into the playoffs, what's the point? Because our team is so beat up. Uh, and then some were like, hey, we might as well just lose now. We, we get a higher draft pick. Uh, but then some were like, like me, I, I wanted them to get into the playoffs, um, regardless of the draft pick status, whatever. Uh, I wanted them to get, to get into the playoffs because I know they, they wouldn't, have, wouldn't have had much of a chance. But if you're in the playoffs, then you have a chance. Uh, but anyway, um, last season, just the injuries, man, injuries, injuries, injuries. And it started uh, before the season even started, before uh, – they even touched that week one game against the Raiders. They had been so beat up and they had lost so many significant guys too. Um, you lose a Marcus Peters for the year. Uh, you lost Gus Edwards, JK Dobbins for the year. Nick Boyle was banged up. Uh, Ronnie Stanley. I don't think even think he made it through the whole week one game. And then he was lost for the rest of the year. Derek Wolf. I mean, I can go down the whole list and it's a very, very long list. And then of course guys got lost uh, throughout the season too, but with as many guys as the Ravens lost through the season, uh, we still had the guy that our team runs through, that being, of course, Lamar Jackson. Um, and when Lamar Jackson, he was even hurting during the season, but he was playing and Ravens were winning for the most part. Um, they were at one point, they were not only top of the AFC North, but top of the AFC. Ravens were sitting at eight and three and it was like, wow, we first place in the in the AFC that's crazy especially with all the injuries um then Ravens lost a couple games then against the Browns Lamar Jackson got hurt uh and that would be the last game that he would play in for the remainder of the season and everything just continued uh to go downhill from there um of course those games <laughs> been hearing a lot about especially recently I mean, not even recently really just all off season the Ravens games against the Bengals um, there's been a lot of trash talk going back and forth amongst Ravens and Bengals fans for those. Uh, cause I know Ravens fans are like, hey, you guys beat up on an injured team. And Bengals fans are like, hey, what about last year? Y'all beat up on an injured team and we didn't complain, but it's it's all fun and games, man. But um last season was tough. It was tough because especially the way that the Ravens roster was constructed, uh, we all felt like the Ravens like really had a shot. At, at doing something special, even if it wasn't Super Bowl, it just felt like it. Ravens had a shot at a very special season, and then they just got hit by injury after injury after injury, and it just really just ruined everything. Yeah, that that dynamic between Bengals fans and Ravens fans, I feel like it's <laughs> it's taken on a new life. Maybe I don't. Yeah, uh, I guess mm -hmm. because the Bengals, you know, finally won a playoff game and you know mm -hmm. kind of beat our chest a little bit, but like. I don't know. Like, do you, do you have anything more to like ex expand upon that? Like, is 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 do you feel like that the, the discussions are, I guess, relevant, or is it just a lot of just oh, yeah. like, useless noise right now? Oh no, I mean, it's, I mean, it's it's two very passionate fan bases, but I do love that that sort of rivalry with the fan bases have been reignited. Um, it's been a, a lot of trash talking. I see it every day. Kind of get tired of seeing it, kind of, but um, this season is going to be really fun. Uh, and I think it's it's a lot of pain um, that's in both fan bases. Uh, and I think more recently under Lamar, the uh, the Ravens, they had really been beating the Bengals uh, every year. They had been taking care of business against the Bengals every year. But then last year happens, and even in the game that Lamar did play in, uh, the, Ra the Bengals end up beating up on the Ravens. Uh, and then the Bengals not only did that, but they did what the Ravens haven't done. Uh, and they not only won in the playoff, but they made it to the Super Bowl in Joe Burrow's first full season playing. And I know that that's painful for Ravens fans to see that. Like, man, like not only is it, especially because it's a team within your division that made it to the playoffs before you did, especially with the, the, the 2019 season, 2020, 2021, Ravens have had multiple chances, but Bengals go and of course, they they did have to have have to have some bad seasons in order to get these higher draft picks. But they go, they draft the uh, Joe Burrow, then it gets his guy Jamar Chase, uh, and even the year before too got T Higgins, and and they and Tyler Boyd has been there forever. You know, he's a we all remember the fourth and twelve, unfortunately, but that fourth and twelve it actually helped get us Lamar Jackson. So it's not all bad, but with the uh, the Bengals for them to have made it to the Super Bowl like that. 
and the Ravens still fighting and clawing and haven't even reached the AFC Championship. Um, I, I think that's where a lot of the uh, the animosity it comes in between Bengals and Ravens fans. And I know Ravens fans that the comeback is, hey, y'all lost in the Super Bowl. We've never lost the Super Bowl two and no. Uh, but Bengals fans are like, hey, those Super Bowls are way back then. And it's all about what have you done recently. And y'all haven't gotten there with Lamar. We got there second year with Joe Burrow. So it's been, again, like I said, it's been, it's been fun. You hear a lot of uh, interesting takes on the matter. Um, and we'll continue to hear those. I just, <laughs> I, I, I can't wait for regular season because it's going to be nonstop, like back and forth throughout the rest of the summer and the off season. And I'm, I'm just ready for regular season when it comes to that. Talking with Justin, the architect of Engraven Vids, the great YouTube channel that talks a lot of Ravens, but uh, some NFL as well. He also has uh, another podcast, the Team Keep It Clean podcast, so you can check that one out too, a little bit of football and some other stuff on that one. So go subscribe to both. We'll have the links to those in the description for the show and in the live chats for you there. So make sure to subscribe to those. does awesome work there. I, you know, you mentioned the name as you, you know, as one of the major injured players for the Ravens last year and kind of a bridge question from last year and talking more about into this year. A lot of Bengals fans are familiar because a lot of Bengals fans are Ohio State fans. They are familiar with J.K. Dobbins. And Dobbins was a guy, you know, showed some things um, early in his career. And then it seemed as if he was poised to have a big role mm-hmm. last year before the injury. So I, I wanted to see if he could confirm that or deny that, I guess. Yeah. But also what's ahead for him this next year, because the way that the Ravens have seemingly, and we're going to talk about the draft class and stuff in a little bit, but mm-hmm. the way they have seemingly rebuilt their team or kind of built back up their team from the injuries is a little mm-hmm. bit more run centric and, 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 you know, kind of what they were doing a couple of years ago. So JK Dobbins outlook and what was the plan last year? What's the plan this year? Um, For JK Dobbins, he was looking to be their guy uh, for them at running back. Of course, they still had Gus Edwards, um, but JK was looking to be uh, that feature back for the Ravens. And one thing that they, uh, they continued to talk about uh, last year, and they've been talking about it this year too. um, They want to get, the backs involved, especially J.K. Dobbins, more involved uh, in the passing game. Um, so last year, uh, it was going to be his time to shine. It was going to be his time to uh, to sort of break out. Um, but, of course, the injury in week three uh, of the preseason, it, it, it changed all of that. Um, but this year uh, with the Ravens, with J.K., I think they were still expecting to be their guy. But at the same time, um, they have to also prepare uh, just in case anything goes wrong with the rehab. I know he hasn't really been practicing yet. They said he was recently on the jugs machine at OTAs, but not really doing uh, much work. And that was expected. Um, So training camp is when we'll really get a a lot of those questions answered when it comes to a lot of the guys that they lost, but specifically with J.K. Dobbins. Um, I think that they're really setting it up to where he has another opportunity to take uh, a jump um, and a big thing that could have if he would have even been healthy last year that might have hindered him a little bit um, would have been the offensive line but the Ravens have made sure they shore up that offensive line uh, both through the draft and through free agency as well um, and, and health is obviously going to be a big factor I think health um, was one of the Ravens probably the, actually the Ravens biggest enemy last year um, because they just they could not defeat it uh, for anything. Uh, and it literally took out their whole team. So this year, hopefully JK Dobbins can really bounce back. He can have a full recovery and Gus Edwards too. And justice Hill because Ravens, they lost all three of their, that they lost their top three running backs last year. Um, they had to bring in guys like, uh, Devonte Freeman, who he started off slow, but ended up catching on a lot more toward, uh, as the season went on. Um, they brought in, uh, from the saints, Oh, I cannot think of his name right now off the top of my head. Um, but they, they at one point they brought in Le'Veon Bell. Um, so oof, that that didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, it was rough last year. It, it was rough last year at, at, at running back. But um, this year, hopefully, the Ravens can have all of their guys in the stable. That was that was so wild. Like right before the season, it was just mm-hmm. like hit after hit after hit. I'm like, who the hell is gonna be <laughs> next, mm-hmm. next to Lamar Jackson? But you know. Like the, yeah, like that's just like the Ravens do. Like they just find ways to get guys on the field and get the most out of them. And I guess like 
where my main like question is now is really with the receivers because it made sense to me like if you weren't going to pay Marquise Brown if you you can get a first round pick for him that makes a lot of sense I I guess now I I look at what um, that that team has a receiver and it's Rashad Bateman and maybe like a lot of question marks like what seems Uh to be like the plan for replacing like the impact and the presence that Marquise Brown has because I'm I'm a fan of Bateman but you know he hasn't really done too much just as a first year player now a second year player Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really, really good question. Um, and yeah, a lot of question marks, a lot of question marks at receiver. Um, a lot of us are still wondering what the Ravens are going to do, um, if anything, because Rashad Bateman, um, it was crazy again last year injuries. Uh, Rashad Bateman missed like the first five, six games uh, due to injury. Uh, and then he came back and Lamar was playing for a little bit, but then Lamar ended up getting hurt. So that just threw everything off of them. Um, but Rashad Bateman, he looks like he, he is the part. He looks like he's going to be pretty good, very good route runner, uh, good hands, got a got a good amount of speed too. Um, but after that, uh, it's just – and even including Rashad Bateman a bit too, there's a lot of – Ravens have a lot of unproven guys uh, at the wide receiver position. Um, they have a Devin DuVernay. Uh, they have a James Prochet. Um, and they have a, a Tylen Wallace. Uh, Rashad Bateman and Tylen Wallace are going into their second year. Devin Duvernay and James Prochet are going into their third year, but none of the receivers have really gotten a consistent amount of passes, uh, catches, I mean, um, and it's just a lot of question mark there. So I would expect them to bring in a veteran wide receiver. I mean, um, I've been expecting them to do that for a little while. I was uh, when they traded Hollywood Brown away because he he said he, he didn't want to be there. Um, he was not a fan of the offense, the style of offense. Uh, and that's something that he had voiced multiple times. Um, and the Ravens were like, hey, okay, you don't want to be here, but we'll trade you. And they did a good, very, very good value. You get a first-round pick for a 2019 first-round pick. Um, that's a good flip. But um, I, uh, when they traded Hollywood Brown away, I was expecting them to address wide receiver in the draft. Um, but I think a lot of the guys that they were looking at, they got taken uh, early and guess they just didn't want to settle uh so i i can respect it but now it's like all right what's what's the plan gonna be because i just i don't see them going into the season uh with those being their top four guys bateman prochet duvenay and wallace and, and then they've signed up they signed quite a few undrafted rookie free agents at wide receiver too uh but i just don't see them going into the season without a better well, let's let's talk a little bit about what the Ravens did, and I'll share something here in just a second. What the Ravens did in the draft. So, I've got uh, kind of a two part question for you. Just mm-hmm. kind of your overall impressions in terms of the class, and we'll we'll show all the names here in just a second. But um, the, the, what the Ravens did in the draft with their class, I personally, for the most part, loved it. I, I think I would have liked to have seen maybe a, a wide receiver that, like we just talked about you know, a bigger name wide receiver, but, you know, I mean, they got a lot of other big names at mm-hmm. offensive line on defense and whatnot. So I think they did a lot of good work there. Uh, and, you know, because we Bengals fans and those who cover the team have just so are so self-absorbed about the Bengals and how great they, they did last <laughs> year and how great they're going to be going forward. Yeah. We kind of have, at least I do a little bit, we kind of have this impression that a lot of teams and maybe even those within the division are kind of playing a little bit of keeping up with the Joneses in terms mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, how the Bengals have built their team, how they built their offense. And when you look at some of the things that the Ravens did, particularly on the defensive side of the ball in the draft mm-hmm. and in free agency, it maybe points to that a little bit. I don't, I don't right. know if you have a sentiment of that, but I'll pull up the names here, but what, what did you kind of just to start with, what did you kind of think of the draft class and how the Ravens did uh, in April there? I thought it was really good. They, they got a lot of value. Um, in this draft class, a lot of guys who were known as like top 15, top 20 picks, uh, they ended up getting them later on. Um, started off with uh, Kyle Hamilton. Um, and again, w- w- the way that a lot of teams build, uh, they build to beat teams in their division first. Um, I-, I remember after that, the last game, uh, the last Bengals game, I said I, I couldn't call Joe Burrow anything but 500 Burrow. Since he threw for 500 yards against <laughs> Ravens defense, um, but Ravens, they of course they they recognized that they noticed that, and then they didn't they they didn't have Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, they they were missing a lot of guys, um, and those guys will be some of those guys will be back, some of those guys are free agents and whatnot. But with Kyle Hamilton, it was like okay, they uh they're trying to show up the back end, they they, they don't want all those passes sailing over the top of their head because they not only 
drafted Kyle Hamilton, but about a month prior to that, when free agency opened up, they signed Marcus Williams, the safety uh, from the Saints. Uh, so they're really looking to get uh, that that the secondary right. Uh, and then about a week and a half ago, they ended up signing Kyle Fuller too. Uh, and then in this draft, they they drafted two cornerbacks. So just to add to the depth, um, Tyler Lindenbaum, uh, Ravens fans, we have been just it's been a, fr- a big frustration with the offensive line uh, for a while. Um, really, ever since 2019, 2019, the offensive line was really good. Um, but a lot of times I say I feel like they were they were slightly overrated. They were still really good, but they were slightly overrated just because of Lamar, uh, because of everything that he could do uh, in the backfield as far as uh, making defenders miss and whatnot. But 2020, uh, the offensive line, it got ugly. Uh, then Ronnie Stanley got injured. And then last year, too, offensive line was very, very ugly. Ronnie Stanley was injured again. Um, so the Ravens, are hopefully one, Ronnie Stanley comes back. But with them drafting uh, Tyler Lindenbaum, um, then over the past few years, they've had a lot of inconsistency uh, at the center position. Uh, they've had guys like Matt Skura, who, who started off good in 2019, but then he got hurt and, and he was never the same after that. They have guys like Patrick McCary. Um, they've had Tristan Colon Castillo. And then last year, their starter uh, was Bradley Bozeman. And he he was a center coming out of college, but he hadn't played center since college. So for his first three years in the league, uh, they had him playing left guard. Um, and then in that fourth year, they had him center and he did an all right job, but there was that, that lack of consistency. So now with Linderbaum, he's somebody that played center throughout college and now he can continue to play center in the pros too. Uh, and he's looking to be the rape starter. Um, so that should help the offensive line. And again, like we talked about earlier, I keep repeating it, but health, health is such a big factor when it comes to everything. Uh, Travis Jones. I was somebody who um who wanted the Ravens to uh to draft Jordan Davis. I expected the Ravens to draft Jordan Davis from Georgia, um, and I think a lot of people did too. And I think the Eagles did as well. Uh, that's why in the draft they ended up leapfrogging the Ravens, and they selected Jordan Davis right before the Ravens were on the clock. So that was a really good move by the Eagles. But somebody who was uh, regarded as the second best interior defensive lineman um is Travis Jones. Uh, so the Ravens got him, and that can uh, just really add to the youth movement. Um, and, and he's a good mix of uh, just strength and just really raw power uh, with pushing an offensive lineman back. Um, now, one pick that I was a little questionable about uh, was David Ajabo. Um, we know with David Ajabo, he he was looking like he was going to be a first-round pick, but then, of course, he got the Achilles injury. I think it was at his pro day. Um, so he anything that the Ravens can get out of him right now, I think it'll be considered a bonus. Um, because you just – I can't really expect much from him this year, sort of like a, a red shirt year almost. Um, but he reminds me of Ravens' first-round draft pick from last year, who and they're actually friends. They went to high school together, and that's Adafi Away. Mm-hmm. Um, Adafi Away, he was very, very raw um, coming out of college. He hadn't even played football for very long, and it was the same way with David Ajabo. Very, very raw. He hasn't played football for very long, um, but he – he put on a lot of good tape uh, at Michigan, and he did his thing. He was going to be a first-round pick, but, of course, again, the injury. So with the Ravens selecting him, um, that's a selection that's – I mean, obviously the whole draft is for the future, um, but that's definitely a selection that's more so for the future. Because I can't expect him – all right, he recovered from Achilles surgery now, and he's back. All right, he's going to be a beast right away. I, I can't expect that. I think that will be unrealistic expectations. Um, they also drafted they, – they went tight end crazy. Uh, with Kyla and, uh, and and Isaiah Likely. Um, and it's crazy because those two tight ends, uh, before two, 2021s, going into the 2021 season, they, they were ranked the number one and two tight ends uh, in NCAA. But with uh, with Kyla, uh, he's gotten comp to uh, Mark Andrews a lot. Um, so that's obviously a good thing. Big red zone target. Uh, and with Likely, he's somebody that uh, – He's a tight end, but he seems to be like a tight end receiver, sort of a guy to stretch the field. So we're looking forward to that. Um, Tyler Beatty, that was the the last the, their last pick uh, in was the sixth or seventh round. I think it was the sixth round. Um, Six, but he's yeah. so he's somebody uh, very explosive guy. Got good hands coming out of the backfield. Um, I, I think that uh, he'll end up being there. I think they'll end up keeping four running backs. So he'll end up being up in, in the mix. Um, but he's somebody that could fill in just in case. 
just in case J.K. Dobbins is not all the way ready to go, just in case Gus Edwards isn't all the way ready to go. Uh, Ravens have a, a stable of running backs right now. Of course, everybody can't make it. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I do think I, I envision him uh, being on the roster come game time. Uh, just to move back, I think it was in the fourth round where they got uh, Daniel uh, Falele, uh just mm-hmm. a monster. Um, and he's somebody that uh, a sort of developmental tackle for the Ravens, uh, somebody that can with Ronnie Stanley. Again, big question mark on Ronnie Stanley if he's going to remain healthy. Uh, but the Ravens this offseason, they signed Morgan Moses. Um, so he's expected to be the right tackle. But just in case Ronnie Stanley's not ready, you might have to do some shifting around and whatnot. Um, but Daniel Falele, just this giant and this guy, even bigger than Orlando Brown. Um, but somebody he, he's pretty raw, but he's somebody that they expect to be able to fill in in a pinch, somebody who they can uh, develop uh, and just see how things go. And, and hopefully he can turn into a really good tackle uh, for the Ravens. Um, I'm trying to think if I missed anybody, the two cornerbacks, the two tight ends, offensive lines, safety. Uh, there was like 20 picks, so you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you did a pretty good job on it. Yeah, no, that was good. That was good. Yeah, yeah they did. They did have 11 picks, and I they um, one thing that surprised me, I just knew I was 1000 percent sure because they were going into the draft with 10 picks. I was a thousand percent sure, like, Ravens are not drafting 10, they're not drafting 10 rookies. There's no way they're gonna trade for somebody, they're gonna trade up, move around in the draft, but they proved me wrong and they ended up taking 11. So, yeah. <laughs> that was it. Not gonna draft ten. They're gonna draft one more. Yeah, mm-hmm. but at least at least five of them, I I know, elicited a response from Bengals fans like, "God damn, Ravens! Like, why the hell would you do that?" And I like like what you said about Ojabo. You know, it's just it's just like a it's a bonus pick. You know, it's like a mm-hmm. redshirt year. See what he can do. It doesn't hurt that you know he played under the the current now defensive coordinator for the Ravens. And I wanted right. to talk about McDonald because you know I'm. I'm a believer that I think the NFL should look towards college defenses to really start, you know, help evolving and, you know, best preparing against some of the modern offenses. I didn't know is that McDonald actually worked under um, John Harbaugh with the uh, the Ravens for seven years. I thought he was just with with his brother Jim for that time, but he's like 34 years old and he knows the Ravens system pretty well. So I guess my question is now that you're in the post, you know, wink era, like how much, how much different is this defense going to be considering he coached under Martindale for like seven years? I think it's going to have some differences. I think it's going to have a lot of similarities too, uh, since he, he had been around. Uh, he only took, well, he was only in Michigan for like a year. Um, and now he's right back with, but with a different role. Um, something that I would expect from him uh, would just, uh, and, and my hope for him uh, would really be to not put guys in bad situations. Uh, we know with Wink, uh, and we love Wink, um, but Wink was live by, die by that blitz. Um, he does not care who's out there. Um, he did not care what cornerbacks he had out there, what safeties, what play. He was going to blitz you like crazy. And that the thing with that is, like, it can be a gift and a curse uh, because there would be, like, a lack of adjustments, um, and, and there would just be – it would seem like there would be a lack of awareness – to what the situation was. You can't blitz the same. Uh, if you your cornerbacks are Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters, you could blitz one way, but if your cornerbacks are Robert Jackson uh, and, and Kevon Seymour, uh, Kevin Tolliver, then you, you cannot blitz the same way. Um, so I just hope for Mike McDonald's sake that there's more situational awareness uh, to what's going on uh, with the opposing defense. We'll get you out of here in just a couple minutes here talking once again with Justin, the head guy at the YouTube channel in Graven Vids. Got a ton of subscribers over there. We, of course, are one of them, so you got to be one as well. Almost 55,000 subscribers over on his YouTube channel. Does great work covering the Ravens and the NFL. Um, Before we get you out of here with maybe an outlook, maybe even a a record prediction if you do that, I'm going to flip the question that John just did and talk about the other side of the ball. We've touched on it a little bit in terms of what the Ravens have done this offseason in free agency and the draft in terms of altering what the offense looks. I mean, we talked about the defense, but altering also what the offense looks like. You talked about likely, you talked about Charlie Kohler, Mm -hmm. and then, of course, Dobbins and whatnot. So there's kind of a sentiment maybe saying with now Brown out of the picture, kind of the deep threat speedy guy on on, uh, the wide receiver group, 
now this is going to be tight end centric. This is going to be run heavy. This is going to be Lamar maybe doing some ad lib work and going back to where he was a couple of years ago, really taking the league by storm. Is that, is that a sentiment you think that's, that's kind of true as we look, you know, our mile high view of the Ravens here, is that kind of a a sentiment that you share, or do you think that there's a little bit more sizzle, a little bit more deep threats going on here than we see from the outside looking in? I I certainly hope that it's more, Um, but I I think that the way that the Ravens have really built this roster, the way that they signed free agents, the way that they've uh, drafted, uh, it seems like they're trying to go back to more that that 2019 style, um, just really trying to just have a really dominant dominant uh, physical game. Um, what I'm hoping for, uh, and this of course to be determined, I'm hoping that it's a, a mix of 2019, but a mix of last year too, uh, because last year I know a lot of people they and, and they will continue to do it, uh, but a lot of people they they doubt Lamar Jackson. As a pass, I know this conversation comes up every single day. Oh, Lamar Jackson, he can't pass the ball. Um, but Lamar Jackson, he showed multiple times last year. Um, not only can he pass the ball, but um, they can come back from behind. They can come back from being down. They can air it out. And I, I loved it. Um, now, I do think that the offense changed based off of the situation uh, with a lot of guys being hurt. But I'm hoping that they can build off of that. Uh, but now have, again, health, keep mentioning it, have health, but uh, also have a better offensive line. Um, so now my uh, biggest question, Mark, for the Ravens uh, is, is still at the wide receiver position. Um, what are they going to do uh, to add to that? You know, we have Rashad Bateman. He's expected to be pretty good. Uh, I have Mark Andrews. He is great. Um, but what, what are we going to do in the passing game? Who's going to add to it? And, and not only because there's so many question marks, but because there's so little depth. Uh, because right now, the guys who, who you would think are essentially locks to make the team at the receiver position, uh, Bateman, Duvernay, Prochet, and, uh, and Wallace, what happens if one of those guys go down? What happens if one of those guys are injured? Then what? Um, so not only to, uh, as far as, for my opinion, them adding a receiver will not only help to just diversify the passing game, but just really uh, give them more quality depth. Um, but as far as the offense yeah, it seems like they just they really want to do everything in their power uh, to give their offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, absolutely no excuses this year uh, because they've built the they built the uh, the offense to cater uh, to Greg Roman, to cater to his strengths. Um, so I think they just want it to be like, all right, Greg Roman, Giro, we're giving you everything in your power. Go to work. Show us what you got, um, because I think this is really a, a make or break year. Mm. Uh, for Greg Roman and really a make or break year for the Ravens as a whole uh, with Lamar Jackson being in this fifth year option um, there it's been pretty uh, I mean it's been, been publicly stated that he hasn't been talking to the Ravens uh, when it comes to contract um, and, and in my opinion the Ravens have not they haven't done enough to give him a reason to stay especially when you look at the uh, the design of this offense a lot of people think it's catered to Lamar Jackson but it's really catered to Greg Roman um so we'll see what happens with that uh he as of right now uh he hasn't been at the OTAs and while that's not the biggest of the big deal when you hear uh John Harbaugh he was asked hey where's Lamar at John Harbaugh's like oh I, I'll let him tell you about that I'll let him I'll let him answer that for you and then Greg Roman he was even asked in the press hey well, what's going on with Lamar not being here and Greg Roman was like oh I, I'll let Lamar give you a chance give you a chance to speak to him about that so it just seems like the uh the vibe is a, a little bit off um, between Lamar Jackson and, and the coaching staff. And it just seems to be in this sort of like this weird place right now. Um, hopefully it ends up being a bunch of nothing and they can have a lot of success. Uh, but it's to be determined. Um, but this year is is such a big year. Like Ravens are really at a big crossroads when it comes to the future mm-hmm. of this team. Um, I know there's also been a lot of talk. Hey, if Lamar doesn't sign this offseason, even next offseason, there's, there's the franchise tag talk. So, you know, with the franchise tag, like I know you, you guys are going through that with Jesse Bates right now. A franchise tag can get ugly. It, it can get really, really ugly. Um, so we'll just see. We'll just see. It's just it's so many directions that this whole thing could take. Uh, but, yeah, Ravens, they, they got a lot to work on. So <laughs> it's been crazy and it's going to be even crazier. Man, like the, you, you kind of answered my own question. Like, I'll ask you if, if you were Eric DaCosta, how, how do you get Lamar like back to 
back yeah. to the negotiation tables. But, you know, it just seems like it's like with Jesse Bates, man. It just seems like right now it's just a matter of timing and, you know, it, things may work out and they may not. Mm-hmm. That's it right there. Well, Justin, we will uh, we'll, we'll get you out of here. We asked for like 15 minutes and we doubled you up on that. So we appreciate oh, the time, man. man. We, we, we love talking with you, honestly. You're one of our favorite guests that we bring on here. Uh, your insight, your knowledge is, is top-notch and that uh, your YouTube channel and, and its numbers and its videos is, obviously reflects that. And we'll, we'll pump that in just a second before we do. What do, you, what do you think? I know it's hard to look in the crystal ball as we sit here now in early June uh, because especially – with the unfortunate situation with the Ravens when all those injuries occurred so late, kind of in the summer, right before the season, mm-hmm. um, I, it's hard to predict, but in terms of a bounce back in terms of kind of how you're looking at the division right now, how are you seeing things play out with the Ravens as, as they try and rebound from last year and just kind of how things are shaping up in the AFC North in general? Um, I am, if they can stay healthy, uh, then I'll say either either divisional or AFC championship. It just depends mm. on so much, man. If they can stay healthy, um, I can't quite. I can't say Super Bowl right now. I I, I just can't. I, I'm not. I'm not sold on uh, the wide receivers right now, and I'm not completely sold on uh, their linebacker group and, and their pass rush. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. But um, so I say either divisional or AFC championship. Uh, obviously, depending on so many different things. As far as the regular season record, uh, I would probably say like 12 and 5. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. And I think a lot of people would be hard to really kind of argue with that because the Ravens' reputation, who they are as an organization. And like you said, they've, uh, when they're healthy and they've got uh, things kind of built back up, they're, they're a tough team to beat. No mm-hmm. doubt about it. Well, it's been awesome talking with you, Justin. We appreciate the time that you always give this show. Before we do, I'm going to post this right here in the link to this YouTube channel. If you have not subscribed, I think a lot of our listeners have subscribed. At least I hope so, because you've been on our channel or been on our videos a bunch of times and have done awesome work for us. You continue to do so on your channel. Just real quick. You've got uh, your channel and Graven Bids. You also have another other podcast as well. Uh, keep it clean, but uh, just tell us a little bit about what you do there. You, get, you got some bite-sized videos. You got some longer ones and a lot of good stuff. <laughs> hey, I appreciate it. Yeah, the, the YouTube channel is Graven Bids. Uh, it's team keep it clean, so it's family friendly. So anybody is welcome uh, to come through. I am obviously a Ravens fan, and we talk uh, a lot of Ravens literally every single day. Uh, we post videos every single day. Uh, during this regular season, during the off season, sometimes multiple videos per day, depending on what's going on. Um, so feel free to subscribe. Um, and even if you're not a Ravens fan, uh, we just talk about the NFL uh, just as a whole in general, especially within uh, within the AFC North. Uh, so it's always fun. We enjoy ourselves a lot on there. Don't take ourselves too serious, anything like that. Um, and Twitter, Instagram is also Engraving Viz, too, if you want to check it out. Awesome. Well, you do great work. Uh, we respect the heck out of what you do there. And thanks for always being so kind to our show and talking Ravens. Hopefully we can have you back on either maybe at the onset of the season or maybe when these two teams clash, uh, there's going to be a lot of talk about those rematches this year. <laughs> there's no doubt about it. Like you said, those Twitter, the Twitter battles. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but thanks for everything, man. Appreciate your time. And um, this has been a lot of fun catching up with you. Oh, yeah, for sure. Appreciate y'all having me on. Thank All you, right, Justin. Take care. Take care. All right, so that was our chat with Justin of Engraven Bids. I put the link in the live chat for the at least the Facebook and YouTube feed, so go subscribe to his channel. He does a lot of stuff. Yeah, I know it's Raven-centric, but he does AFC North stuff, a lot of different stuff on the NFL, and then, of course, a lot of stuff on the Ravens. So at least if you want to get a pulse on what's going on on that side of the fence and hear his thoughts, he was always pretty complimentary, John, about the Bengals through their run uh, to the Super Bowl. I mean, he... A lot of Ravens fans were not that way, and he was just saying, "Hey, you know what they've built up? It's it's been uh, it's been incredible to watch." And you know, he's he's got a good uh, perspective on things. Hundred percent. Like I feel like he definitely calls it like he sees it, and he's not he doesn't shy away from criticizing the, the Ravens when you know things aren't necessarily going their way. Like I feel like the most surprising thing that he said to me was that the Ravens haven't done enough to convince Lamar to stay. And 
like the idea of a MVP quarterback leaving his team after his rookie contract, it's it's unheard of. You don't really, yeah. you, you never really see it, right? Which is why the franchise tag was brought up with him and how it can get kind of ugly. And it was interesting hearing someone covering and following the Ravens hear their perspective on the Lamar Jackson situation because, I mean, it's not as kind of topsy-turvy as another AFC North quarterback is going through, but it's definitely a story to watch this season. A quarterback playing in the contract year, again, who has made his mark in the NFL in, in more ways than one. It's going to be interesting to watch. It will be. It will be. And you know, I'm seeing some comments in our live chats about, you know, Lamar being a bigger deal, obviously, than Bates and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, something to definitely monitor. Uh, do we want to do a quick behind the scenes bangle, John, kind of an abbreviated version so we don't go long or do we want to save it? Yeah, I'm um, yeah, I, I can just run run through it r- yeah, real quick because I don't have really anything prepared. But <laughs> I, d- I did notice uh, yesterday during the open media OTA uh, session that a receiver was getting a decent number of looks uh, during like seven on sevens and 11 on 11s. I think it was the first iterations of them. It was Kwame Laster the second. Mm. And I was not expecting to hear him necessarily make headlines. I don't know if it was with the first team or the second team offense. It sounded like it was with the first team offense, which kind of makes sense because there's not a ton of depth at receiver right now. And I think that's why it was interesting that the Bengals signed four undrafted free agents at the wide receiver position. And when Lassiter was announced as one of them, I think he drew the most hype from fans because of his production at Kansas and also his ability to be a pump returner. But I think now is a good opportunity to just quickly review this insane story that he went through about a month before Zach Taylor was hired as the Bengals head coach, uh, Lassiter's dad, Lassiter senior, who also played at Kansas and then played, I think safety for the Arizona Cardinals. He passed away when Lassiter was just 20. I think he was turning 21 in a couple of weeks and he had to go through that, you know, in college. And he was obviously very close to his dad. He was playing at his dad's alma mater. And that, and right before that was when he was really starting to elevate himself within the Kansas offense. And in his three years there, he slowly grew more and more of a focal point in that offense. And I remember back to last college football season, because Kansas is terrible. Like they're just one of the worst division one teams in, in college. And I think he said, he mentioned like, you know, it, it's not ideal, you know, playing in Kansas because you don't get a lot of NFL looks necessarily. But I remember in October because Oklahoma was playing there and there was like no one at the game for Kansas and they were beating Oklahoma through the first half. And Kansas was like allowing students and whatever to come in to watch the game. Unfortunately for Kansas, they still lost by 12, but they made it a, a game and it was competitive. And Lasseter had like seven receptions for 101 yards. He led the team in reception receiving for that game so he had a pretty good game against obviously four or five star talented uh, defenders for Oklahoma and they kind of carried that momentum into I guess the end of the season and and then the draft process unfortunately for him he did not get drafted but I think another connection here or maybe the biggest connection is with Darren Simmons and I always forget that Simmons also went to Kansas all the way back and this is actually it's crazy because Darren Simmons played with Lassiter's dad and Mm. this is the first time he's ever coached the son of a former teammate of his which is insane but also really relevant because Lassiter isn't just a guy who's gonna have to prove himself on special teams special teams could be the reason why he makes the roster altogether because they need someone who can push Trent Taylor at pump returner and also just that backup at slot receiver because that's where Lassiter played the majority of his snaps at Kansas. He was a really active run blocker in those um, when he was aligned there. And obviously his production grew in that offense. But again, it's Kansas. He can't really take too much uh, passing production because they don't have a quarterback. But the Mm -hmm. fact that he had experience returning punts and he's like one of the only guys that Simmons brought in this year to really challenge Trent Taylor. The fact that there's a connection there with his dad. He obviously knew him pretty well. I'm I'm sure he knew about uh, Lassiter the second you know, growing um, when he was young because he kind of kept in touch with his dad. And now he's within the system. Simmons is looking for some competition. There's a really good chance that Lassiter makes this team, not just because of his ability as a receiver and the fact that they need maybe one or two more explosive options there. 
But that connection with Darren Simmons, I'm I'm really, really intrigued at how that unfolds in training camp and how many opportunities that Lassiter gets to push Trent Taylor and if he takes advantage of it. We talked a lot about Puka Williams last year, another guy from Kansas who had the potential to be something as a punt returner, but he never really did anything in the preseason. I think he was injured too. If Lassiter stays healthy throughout August, I think he has a really good chance of making their team. That's a very good point. And a guy I know they were excited about landing for sure. Uh, you know, not not the biggest guy, not, you know, the fastest or any of that kind of stuff. But, I mean, you look at, like you said, uh, 59 catches, 653 yards, three touchdowns last year with Kansas. Not really an offensive, you know, powerhouse, so to speak. And then, of course, on the uh, the punt return side, eight, eight returns for 108 yards. I mean, not a huge, huge sample size of things, but – Obviously, you know, a guy that they think could bring versatility, maybe push some of the guys on the roster and maybe give them, um, you know, some some opportunities on special teams for, you know, because that Trent Taylor did some nice things towards the end of the season as a punt returner, stabilized some things after, you know, Darius Phillips and the San Francisco 49ers adventure and all of that. Um, so there's a lot there where you go, hey, there's an opportunity here where uh, he can he could find a niche for himself and what a story it would be based on that. You know, you look at Kwame last Kwame Lasseter senior died at 49. Uh, what I read, I believe was uh, of a heart attack while working out. Um, I mean, just an unexpected thing that's crazy and, you know, incredibly sad. And this would be one of those that we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with this, you know, some players on this behind the scenes Bengals series we've been doing. This is one of those guys I feel like, would be if the Bengals were on hard knocks, this would be the guy that they would be following around because of that story, who his dad was and what he potentially can do for the, for this team and, and trying to grind his way onto the roster. Yeah. And Lasseter, I think during his career at Kansas, he played there five years. He had, I think 30 total pump returns. And then this past season, it was like his highest uh, average with 13 and a half yards mm -hmm. per return. And that's, again, it's going to be his best chance of making the team. But as we've seen in past years, it's not always a clean transition. Like I think Darius Phillips had some experience in, in college returning punts, but obviously it never really caught on with him in the NFL. With Trent Taylor, he kind of specialized that, and that's one of the reasons why he stuck around in the NFL for so long. He's got to nail down the consistency aspect with it. And the same goes for Puka Williams. He's still here and still on the team and can still maybe push for that spot as well. But Lasseter has experience, and that definitely helps. But experience can only take you so far and he's just has to nail the consistency part of it down or else he's not going to get past Taylor. And that's why I think Brandon Tate lasted so long at that spot yeah. under Simmons. And that's why Simmons just trusted them because while Adam Jones provided the spark, they couldn't really always do uh, or have him back there because he was valuable on defense. They need someone who can not only provide the spark, but can nail the consistency. So that's the first thing that Lasseter has to be able to prove with whatever opportunities he's given. I'm sure I, I'd love to get Darren Simmons on the show at some point, but I'm sure if you asked point blank, I mean, I would think that consistency and trust are just tent poles of, of special teams play. And, and when you get that from some, some of your players, um, you know, that makes your job easier. And that's, uh, that's why quite honestly, Darren Simmons is one of the most well-respected assistant coaches in the NFL and has gotten some, some brief looks at, at head coaching jobs and whatnot. But um, yeah, good, good call on Kwame Laster, a behind the scenes bangle that not a lot of people will be talking about right now, but perhaps, perhaps definitely in training camp and preseason play with, with some increased snaps there. So good stuff. Let's drop the mic and get out of here. John, what do you got for us? Not really. Um, Anything new, I guess. It's a lot of unfortunate things happening in the league and I guess in general. I guess shout out to Bengals Media um, for actually asking Jackson Carmen about the report. We talked about it last week about why that wasn't the case. And yeah, good, good for them for actually addressing it now. But yeah, nothing really else to, to add. Not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, the response there in case people missed it, I think we talked about it on the happen and headline show um, or, or another show that, that they had asked the question. I think the, uh, the response was kind of a no comment. So, um, you know, that's, that is what it is, but yes. And uh, to just to piggyback off that, they, they're doing an outstanding job. All of the, the Bengals beat writers, podcasters, et cetera, um, bringing us all kinds of different content sites, sounds from, from OTAs and whatnot. And they are, you know, we're, 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 
privileged uh, not only to have quite a few of those people come on our show in the past and, and give us all kinds of cool info, um, but we as fans and those who also cover the team are, are privileged to, you know, in some ways work alongside some of these folks and in, in, um, in other ways, you know, kind of be able to soak in all the great content they give us. So, um, you know, they always do a bang up job, whether it's, you know, from the Inquirer, the Athletic, the, the official site, ESPN. I mean, it, it, the list goes on and on and on. So, um, you know, I, I will piggyback off that and say for sure that uh, we're we're pretty pretty lucky to have some great beat writers and coverage men and women of uh, who cover the Bengals. You are a world class diplomat. Am I? 100, yeah, hundred percent. Okay. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> no, it is like because I, I diplomacy is not one of my my strong suits, and that's why I feel like this partnership has has worked for the last four it's, years. It's it's a it's a good one, my friend. It's a good one. Uh, we'll be back with more stuff. Hopefully, you enjoyed the interview we had with Justin from Engraven Vids. Go subscribe to his YouTube channel, and of course, if you are new to our show, or if for some reason you've been watching us and. Um, finally, you decided to like us and, and you want to subscribe and be notified when we go live. You got to like the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. You got to go hit the orange and black insider icon at the bottom of this uh, YouTube page here, uh, this video. Click that to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when we go live. And then, of course, if you're listening to the audio side of things, get it on your favorite streamer, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any of them, we're there. Leave us a rating and subscribe to the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel where our show, The Orange or Black Insider, is as well as Matt Minnick's Coach Speak slash Chalk Talk. But we'll be bringing you all kinds of stuff throughout the summer as the preseason and training camp roll on. John, have a good uh, rest of your week, man. I know you've been a busy guy. Hopefully things settle for you and uh, you have a good rest of your week. Hey, you too, and happy early Father's Day to you, man. Oh, wow. What a nice guy. Thank you. Yeah, it is. It's all the dads out there listening for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yes. 100%. Thank you, John. Appreciate that. Uh, take care, everybody. We will. We'll see you soon. <laughs>